In preparation for today's message, we shall be reading from the book of Exodus, chapter 15, verses 22 to 27. Then Moses led Israel from the Red Sea, and they went out into the wilderness of Shur. And they went three days in the wilderness and found no water. When they came to Marah, they could not drink the waters of Marah, for they were bitter. Therefore, it was named Marah. So the people grumbled at Moses, saying, What shall we drink? Then he cried out to the Lord, and the Lord showed him a tree, and he threw it into the waters, and the waters became sweet. There he made for them a statute and regulation, and there he tested them. And he said, If you will give earnest heed to the voice of the Lord your God, and do what is right in his sight, and give ear to his commandments, and keep all his statutes, I will put none of the diseases on you, which I have put on the Egyptians. For I, the Lord, am your healer. Then they came to Elim, where there were twelve springs of water and seventy date palms, and they camped there beside the waters. Praise God for the reading of his word. You may now be seated. Israel went through difficulties. It was difficult when they were in Egypt, but they were fed. They had a home to go to. But then God delivered them to give them a land of promise that they could call their own. And why did God do that? Because God promised Abraham. He had a covenant with Abraham. A covenant is a divine agreement. The covenant with Abraham was he would be a father of many nations. And his descendants would be in a foreign land for 400 years... But God will deliver them and judge that nation who would make Israel suffer. So after delivering them, they passed through the Red Sea or the Sea of Reeds. So original translation, Sea of Reeds. But when they discovered it, all the translations wrote Red Sea. So I was wondering when I was a kid, is there actually a sea that's colored red? I Every kid would wonder, right? And if you ask your Sunday school teacher, they also don't know. So, but when I found out, I studied more. It's the Sea of Reeds. So after the celebration, after the celebration, they, they, they passed through the Red Sea and God defeated the Egyptians. They were so happy to be alive. They celebrated. Moses wrote a song and they sung it. He taught them the song and they were singing they were singing, and the song contained who God is, that he is a warrior, God is a warrior, and uh, what he did to the Egyptians, how God saved them, and what he plans to do to bring them to the promised land. It was all there. And I suggest to us that's a good way to choose songs, to sing. It reflects who God is, what he did through Christ, and what he plans to do to us in the future, because it is a blessed hope. Salvation is not just salvation from the wrath of God. It is not just salvation from hell. But it is to be with him. To be co-heirs in Christ. It's so much more. Then Miriam responded by singing and dancing. And all the women danced with her as she took the timbrel. And she responded to the song in dance. Why were they dancing? They were so happy. They were so happy. 
I don't know some of you who had a near-death experience, like some of us. Some have more. I was talking to a brother who had eight times plus near-death experiences. I, I said, you have the world record to those I've met. Are you a cat who has nine lives? So, of course, he's not a cat. Uh, but I had a few of them as well when I was a teenager and uh, I wasn't very careful with my driving. I almost hit a bus head-on. And one time wasn't my fault. I took a jeepney from Daet going here, private. Uh, some of us got stranded in, well, not really stranded. The train we were, we were in got derailed. And uh, there were reports of death, but not in my section. So we woke up upside down. I tried to climb out and I thought, these are like the things I see in the movies. So I thought it was a, an adventure. So I got out of the train, climbing out the door. The door is now up, right? So I had to climb out there and jump. And then I saw that the engine was still on track. What was broken was, was the thing that linked us. So I tried walking and then getting closer to it. And I saw some people riding it, the engine, the engine car the one in front. So I jumped and I got in it. I said, where are we going? And uh, they said, we're going to go to the station to ask help so that they can be, these people can be helped. So I went with them, maybe, maybe 10 of us were there. So when we got to the next station, we got down and I wondered where in the world is this place? Remember, I was 16 years old, okay? So I didn't know where I was, uh, a place called Diet. Of course, now I know it. Uh, so we grouped together, and there was one who became the leader and said, why don't we rent a jeep, jeepney, and then we go there. So they tried looking for one, and they found one. And the only problem was, I think this driver never experienced driving from Daet to Naga, ever. You know why? I would surmise that. Because when he would go through the zigzag, he would be crossing both roads, the left and the right. So he's not staying on one lane and so he kept doing that. And then uh, and, and some of the passengers with me uh, were already complaining, especially the ones in front. He said, stay on one lane. And said, baka may bus that might, might show up on the curve. And, uh, and, uh, and the driver was, was proud and said, I know how to drive. Don't worry. There is a break. All right? So in Tagalog, may preno naman eh. So... Okay, so we were doing that left and right, and I was too young to want to really know the danger. But all the adults around me were so frantic. Uh, it feels good to be young. Uh, <laughs> ignorant and uh, no worries. No, it's not always good to be young. <laughs> but if you're young, it's your fault, okay? Uh, so we were crisscrossing, crisscrossing, and then suddenly, suddenly in one curve, I saw the face, and it says at the top, Pantranco. Not yet Filtranco, it was called Pantranco. So right there, we were on his lane. And then suddenly the jeepney swerved. And then I was, I was uh, on the right side. So when I looked out, it was the cliff. <laughs> so it just swerved and then got back. I said, whoa. <laughs> For 
me, it was like a roller coaster, but all the passengers who were adults were sweating, angry, and shouting. Uh, and I just listened to all the drama around me. Kids, don't join the drama. Just observe the drama. It's like watching a movie, okay? So I was just watching all the drama, not getting involved at 16. Then suddenly, after a while, no more cliffs. We got through it. And then there was still a discussion in the front seat, the driver and the passengers in front. There was still that discussion about uh, driving properly. So I think the driver wanted to, to irritate all of us. So he drove very slow, <laughs> just to irritate us. He was driving so slow. And there I knew that God still has a plan for my life. You know what happened next? It's a good thing he drove very slow. It was a good thing he wanted to irritate us. You know why? Because his axle broke. What's an axle? It's the one that holds the tires. It broke. And uh, if we were driving very fast, he would not be able to maneuver it properly. So slowly, perhaps at 10 kilometers per hour, irritating all of us, it suddenly bang, bang. And when we looked down, the tire was this way. It's a good thing it was the back tire, okay? So, oh, I was so happy to be alive. I, did, I only realized after that I was in real danger. It was dangerous. Whew. Uh, but now when I got saved, I was so happy that Jesus Christ saved me. There was this, this, this preacher preaching about justification. It was on Romans 3. Um, but praise God, I wasn't also afraid to die if ever I was in danger. Why? I was 16 then. I met the Lord when I was 15. And I heard this message to surrender my life to Jesus Christ. Because he, only he, can justify me and us from all the sins we have committed. And no amount of good works can match the sins we have committed. No amount. It is only by the mercy and grace of God. And I received that grace that day. And I opened my Bible and I read it and I saw the beauty of his word. Every night I would spend time with the word of God for many nights. Why? I was so happy that Jesus saved my life. Not saved me physically. He did. But first of all, the more important thing, the salvation of the soul. Why? After you die, eternity is longer. Even if you live this earth for a hundred years, that's nothing compared to eternity. Eternity is literally forever. After a hundred years, you're not even beginning. That's eternity. Now, there's so many documented cases, documented as in testimonials of people who died in hospitals and they came back to life. So many all over the world. It's in the journals. Take note, in the journals. It's not made up. It's in the journals. So many have said that, yes, they knew they were dead and they were alive in a certain sense. Some of them experienced some form of hell. Some of them experienced some form of heaven. But this is documented and their stories are very similar to each other. I say to you, brothers, 
what is life on earth but a speck? 70 years. If you have good health these days, 100 years. Then what? 100 years is nothing. So that's why some people believe, go ahead and sin. Enjoy your life right now. But I say to you, friends, look at Jesus and look at the salvation he offers us. And if you did receive that and you know that you know that you know, you must be joyful enough to celebrate. That's why we sing here every Sunday. We celebrate God. We celebrate Him. We celebrate the message. But after the celebration, they now traveled. And after three days, they could find no water. Let's, let's read the introduction. Scene one. The topic is, or the title is, Bitter Waters. Scene one. God delivered Israel from the Egyptian army in a powerful way. We've read that. We studied that. Scene two. The people of Israel celebrated God's victory through song and dance. Scene three. No source of water for three days. Perhaps water supply for family and herds were low. Israel grumbled against Moses. Scene four. Moses prayed and God directed him to a tree that turned bitter water into drinking water. God then set a statute. Scene 5, God prepared a camp for them at Elim with 12 springs of water and 70 date palms. So number one, imagine this. See, you're one of those who traveled with Moses and you've got a big family. Israelites have big families, right? That's why Egypt wanted to minimize their growth. Uh, and then they had herds. They even had gold and silver. However, you cannot drink gold and survive. So there was no water for three days. And you've got herds to, to, uh, to water. And you've got family. You've got little ones traveling with you as well. So when there was no water to be found, they grumbled. They grumble. Why? They did find water, but the water was bitter. And the name they called it was Mara. All right? Do you have a friend named Mara? <laughs> yes. It's somehow a Filipino name uh, that we use. Uh, Mara, it means bitter water. Okay? So, oh, stop. Don't call your friends bitter water. Okay? <laughs> Uh, but yes, uh, it's called Mara, bitter water. So it was bitter. They're desperate and they found water, but the water they could not drink. Now, despite their bad attitude, God would provide. Take note. Why? Because God made a promise to Abraham. No matter how these people, I just saved them. Couldn't they just pray? Couldn't they just ask, why do they have to grumble against my servant? Why do they complain all the time? Since Egypt, they've been complaining. Even before the Red Sea, they still complained. Did you bring us out here to die, Moses? And then after the celebration, just three days after that, no water, Moses. As if Moses is their divine butler, right? Um, divine kasambahay. Moses, tubig. Asan tubig? Huh? Tubig. No? Di na lang mo ba kami dito para matay? Saan ang tubig? 
Oh, yan, tubig, tubig, ang pait, pait. Huh? Okay. Now, when it says the waters were bitter, we don't know if it's poisoned or it's just impure. Right? That I cannot say. But what I can say is when Moses prayed, what happened? Let's read verse number two. Moses prayed and the Lord showed Moses a tree that would make the water sweet. God showed Moses, look, a tree, or it might be a piece of wood fallen or part of a tree. So what did Moses do? He threw the tree. He threw the tree and the water became sweet. So I was trying to search online if there is such a tree that we have discovered in modern times that can purify water huh? without the filters. Right now we use this tiny little stuff to filter water, right? Uh, tiny things that function as a, a very tight filter that the impurities uh, that is bigger than water would be removed. So we have pure water. So I was looking online and I found one. Uppsala University of Sweden have been observing certain tribes of people in Africa. And they found out that there's this type of tree that grows in the tropical, that its seeds, not necessarily the whole tree yet, they haven't studied that, but the seeds, they crush the seeds, mix it with water, and it becomes drinking water. Yes, there is such a tree. You know the name of the tree? Moringa Olifera. <laughs> Praise God. Uh, I didn't know that. <laughs> Again, you can look for Uppsala University, U-P-P-S-A-L-A -P -P -A -A University of Sweden. You can search it online. I want to know more about their research. And maybe we can do some research here uh, in the academic community as well. It has just got me excited. So uh, is there a tree that purifies water? Yes, there is. We don't know yet if the whole tree can purify water. Maybe we should do that experiment, right? <laughs> Get those branches and put it in water and observe. But we need uh, those who understand the scientific process to do this and to document everything. Well, the thing is, the Lord guided Moses. They had trouble. Moses prayed. Instead of Moses grumbling, he prayed. And God directed him. And then the problem was solved. But then if we look, if, may we turn to verses 25 and 26. And then he cried out to the Lord, and the Lord showed him a tree. And he threw it into the waters, and the waters became sweet. There he made for them, he, God, a statute and regulation, and there he tested them. You see, at the moment when they were desperate and God met their need, that was also the time that God clarified his law to them. Don't forget that. Desperate, God meets the need, clarification of the law. Okay, then let's look at the next verse. And he said, if you will give earnest heed to the voice of the Lord your God and do what is right in his sight and give ear to his commandments and keep all his statutes, I will put none of the diseases on you which I have put on the Egyptians. For I, the Lord, am your healer. 
we have to understand that there is a time when we are desperate and God answers that. That is not a moment to forget God. Somehow after the desperation, after the suffering, when God meets our needs, that's a time people forget God. Oh, my problem is solved. Thank you, church. See you next time. Oh, my problem is solved. Okay, I'll read the Bible next time I have problems. I will pray. Oh, I'll be in the prayer meeting only if I have problems. No, brothers and sisters, that is a time when God meets your needs. That is a time to know the laws of God again. That is the best time to read the New Testament, to read God's statutes. It's the best time. It's not the time to forget, I'm okay now. Then you've got the wrong gospel, friends. For God is not a divine vending machine that if you put the, press the right things, the food will come out. God is not a genie which you just rub. We should just pray and do something, some formula, and then he comes out and asks you your three wishes. No, my friends, God is not that. God is sovereign. God is divine. Why did he provide for Israel? Because they are his people. But more than that, remember, he had a covenant with Abraham. He had a covenant with Abraham. And you know that's why there's going to be a Mosaic covenant through Moses. The covenant of the laws will be coming there in a few chapters. But not just that. There is the new covenant in Christ. What does that mean? Why are we saved today? Why does God bless and provide for us? Because what? He made a promise through Christ. That is the ultimate reason. Not because you're his favorite. Not because you are somehow have the favor of God. Yes, through Christ, we can have that through Christ alone. But I'd like to tell you right now, God does not just bless us. He also allows us to experience suffering. Pastor Ed, I'm suffering. That's just about right. You're a believer, right? Oh, I'm sorry. Did I touch a nerve? You know, when I became a Christian, I accepted suffering will happen in my life. Therefore, I never get depressed with suffering. I know I have to go through it. If I die, then I die. Why? My life does not belong to me anymore. It belongs to him. But if I am blessed, so I am blessed. Use it for your glory, Lord. I accept it. I receive it. My life is no longer my own. So if ever I do suffer in his name, okay. Bring it on, Lord. But... Please deliver me from this trial. The same prayer of Christ. If you can let this pass. And uh, uh, if ever I'll be a martyr, Lord, can it be a beheading with a really sharp sword or, or a, a, a gun, really powerful gun that blows me away and I don't feel a thing? Can it be, Lord, that I don't have to be skinned alive if possible? You know, you can make those uh, prayers. But again, you submit to the will of God. I'm just desensitizing you. In your mind when it comes to suffering. God yes blesses but he also allows that. Three days without water. They did have supply. Otherwise they would be dead right. Three days they had supply yes but it was running out. Somehow there was a moment of suffering. Somehow there was a moment of worry and concern. But you see God is a good God. If ever he makes us suffer it's for a higher purpose. Can you say higher purpose? 
remember that God's purpose is not just confined to your individual life and family. Do not make yourself the center of the universe. Some people think that way. And somehow this new generation, please, to those here in church, please fight. Fight this, this influence of, of thinking that you are the center of the universe. I mean, social media, especially Facebook and Instagram, made you feel such, right? It made you feel such in, in a way. I'm not saying social media is inherently evil. I'm not saying that. It's a useful tool. But if it's all about you and your feelings and what you think, and you do not live for a higher purpose, you do not understand that you have to serve your family, and you have to serve your nation, and then in Christ, we have to serve the kingdom of God to expand. We have to go and make disciples. If it's just about you and your feelings, then you are a self-centered blank. I'm feeling the blanks. I don't know how you express. But yes, you are self-centered. If you always have to be right, The best approach to an argument, oh, that's interesting. Let me listen to what you have to say. Yeah, I taught my children that. If you don't agree, say that's interesting. It means you're still open-minded to it. Because it's different from my opinion. That's interesting. Please explain. Why? I realize I don't know everything. You know, the more you study, the more you realize you know so little, right? Because the more you study, the more you're exposed to this knowledge is vast. The knowledge of the world is so vast that what I know is a speck of it. But if you feel you know everything, there will be no humility. You will not go to God. You will not seek God's word. You will do what you think is right. And you know what happened there in the, in the book of Judges? And everybody did what they think was right. You know what happened? Israel was weak, prone to invasion of other countries. And we come now to a world that challenges right and wrong. It's called a postmodernism thinking. And postmodernists think there is no right and wrong, it depends on the person. So there was this professor who had a hard time with his students because students kept arguing there is no such thing as right and wrong, there are no absolutes anymore. So the professor thought a way to answer that. Okay, uh, your grade will be an F no matter how good you are or how bad you are. You know what the student said? That's wrong! Uh, I thought there was no right or wrong. That it depends upon me. You see, if it, depends, if it depends upon me what right and wrong is, what if I kill you and I justify it and for me I think it's right? Because the world is better without you, self-centered person. What if I just kill you? Of course, I can't do that. That's against the law. I'm just giving you an example of what I... What if I ride the streets? I said, I want my freedom. Why should I drive at the right side of the street in the Philippines? Why not the left, huh? Who made the rules anyway, huh? I want freedom. Oh, that's the... Excuse the term, the foolishness of this philosophy, of this way of thinking. You cannot erase absolutes. Otherwise, you will erase the law. Even the local laws must be erased if you believe in no absolutes. So I say to you, if your professor thinks he's so intelligent, 
challenge him with certain questions. We love that when we were in UP. That's why as students, we have to read more than what they read. To challenge them in class because they will attack you. So we respond in kind. And we put them to shame. But we have low grades because of that. <laughs> uh, uh, so you, you do, use the timing, maybe after the class is over, okay? After you get your grade, maybe you can do that. Uh, God gave them, provided for them the way to get clean water. Not only clean water, it says sweet water. And then what happened? God gave them a statute. If you follow, listen carefully. All the statutes, the laws. I will not inflict upon you the diseases of Egypt. But you know what? Everything in the Old Testament is a preparation for the grace of God through Christ. What God said to them was impossible. And that's the story of Jewish history. Them realizing it is impossible to follow the loss of God without the grace of Christ. Through Christ. It's a grace through Christ that we can be forgiven. And yet even have uh, the joy to follow the law. But even, even in Christ, he has fulfilled the law. We live by grace through faith in him. Number three, then the Lord led them to a place with 12 springs of water and 70 date palms. There they camped beside the waters. The place of rest was prepared by the Lord. God has seen the road ahead and he had seen that what his people would need. The Lord is committed to fulfill his purpose to Abraham. Israel grumbled, but even if they had bad attitude, God would still provide for them because he has a purpose. Because he has a purpose. A nation must be born. They're not yet a nation with laws. They must become a nation. And this nation must go through history until the fullness of time when Christ would be born. What is that fullness of time? The victory of the Roman Empire. They have connected many lands into one land. Different provinces now. The nations have become sort of provinces. And what? They have adapted Greek as a language. Now there would be a language known by different countries. Different places. That is why Christ was born in the fullness of time. So that when the message would be preached. They used Koine Greek at that time. Which people understand. It's like English today. The fullness of time. Everything was planned perfectly by God. You see, God already knew you would need water. Yes. But they had to grumble, right? And you're going to see in the next chapter, they're going to continue to grumble. They never learned their lesson. But this story is not about don't grumble. That's not the story. That's not the main lesson. The main lesson is God is faithful even if you do. But that doesn't mean he will not discipline you if you continue to grumble. Because we will see that. That indeed he will discipline some of them severely. Because they would not learn. But yet he would fulfill his purpose. I say God is good. 
I have grumbled so many times in my life, I should be dead. I think you have grumbled many times, right? Have you? Have you grumbled against your parents? How many times? Huh? Against your brother or your sister? How many times? Huh? If, that, if not, just saying, can we please? Or, or have a nice discussion. Or say, why don't we pray? But instead, we've grumbled. We're like that. But hopefully through Christ, we learn not to be. But that's not the main message. The main message is, despite what they did, God provided Turned the waters of Mara into drinkable water. But not only that, God prepared the springs. The springs. No water, but the springs are waiting. Twelve springs, exactly twelve tribes. It was prepared by God. The 70 date palms, they say, during those times. In the writers of that time believed that there were 70 nations. God prepared everything in his time. So don't worry. The spring of water every now and then gives, God gives us rest. All right? Yeah, yeah. We're, we're gonna, we have a life that we will be tested. There are many victories and yet there are trials. But every now and then, I do believe God gives us a spring. A release. Every Sunday... I find it well that we worship together in prayer. The prayer meetings every second and fourth are like a spring to me when we pray together. Um, the times we worship here during awesome night is for many of us like a spring. A moment of release so that we can continue our travel. But even at home you can use the word of God as sort of a spring of water. Application, let us review. Number one, God would allow us to be tested. And the test would often be a cause for worry or concern. Yes, the test would be often a cause for worry or concern. If you haven't experienced that, maybe you're too young and your parents are so good in protecting you. But the truth is, trials are always there. Testings are always there. When we are tested, we would discover how we react to things. Some of us might grumble. Others would just trust God. Let us not grumble against people. Let's not grumble against one another. Okay? Is that okay? Amen? Amen. Okay. You can also tell your mom, Mom, please don't grumble against me. <laughs> and you give them as a scientific explanation. I'm still growing up and not all my neurons are connected. Yeah, you can search that if you like science. You, there's a science of the brain. That's why we have to give a little more leeway to growing people. When they forget the things they should not forget. Okay? But what makes it worse is social media or the long hours on, in front of the internet. Unproductive. It affects. That's why if you ask them, have you done this? Huh? It looks like they're brain dead. Did you see that? Take a picture immediately, okay? When they answer you, huh? Back, okay? <laughs> then show it as a proof. You see, your face looked like you're brain dead because all you do is move characters. <sighs> so all the reactions and all those uh, gaming and stuff like that. If it's not gaming, it's about 
The posts of others, young people, do not get your, your assurance from the number of likes or the numbers who respond to your posts. That is not the way. Do not. You will be depressed. Because teenagers are mean. You know why? Let, listen carefully. Because you're growing in a stage of insecurity. Insecure people are mean. They like to say nasty things and negative things about others because they are so insecure. The bully is found out to what? To lack love from home. That's why he had to have that assurance that he's the toughest here. If you're assured, you don't need to be the toughest anywhere. So we will be tested. But let us not grumble. Let us just trust God that he will fulfill his purpose. What if you don't get what you wanted? That's the point. You won't get everything you want. Many false preachers, false teachers will tell you that. Just believe and you'll have it. Name it and then claim it. Oh my. Don't stop that. Scripture, please, not tradition of others. Just because you see somebody do that, you copy it. You look at Scripture. I didn't see that. Name it, claim it. I didn't see that in the Bible. And I've read the Bible several times. Try even to Google it. Verse that says claim it. There's only one who did claim. It's called redemption. He redeemed us. He redeemed us. He claimed us. He exchanged his life for us. He paid for our sins. Only he does that. Oh my. We preach our gospel. Watch. We are the center Everything you need, God will provide. No, yes, in one sense, according to his perspective, not yours. You might think you need something. But God's idea of need might be different. You hear me? And you'll be surprised that God would provide something you thought you didn't need. And that is how amazing he is. When troubles come, problems come, it reveals us, who we are. I was reading this book of Winky Pratney, Youth of Flame, and there was this wonderful illustration there. He said, in a barrel, if a barrel is full of acid, if you kick the barrel, boom, back, what will come out is acid, right? And sometimes if what's in you is toxic, all those hatred, bitterness, and anger, toxic. If somebody kicks you, that comes out. Problems, trials do that to us. It reveals us. But then he gave, gave another illustration. If what's in the barrel is honey, if you kick that, it'll come out really slow but really sweet. What's inside of you? If both parents, both husband and wife are toxic, that's when you have an unhappy home. And who gets the acid? People around us. But if now there's honey, Somebody tells you, ang kulit-kulit mo talaga. Ah, talaga, makulit ako. Then suddenly there's honey that comes out. Oh, okay, then I'll pray that I will change, okay? Suddenly there's honey and it's hard to get mad at you now. 
because you respond so nicely. Do you know that Proverbs 15, 1 says that if you answer humbly, a quiet answer comes the anger. Instead, let us have faith. Amen? Nobody's perfect. Your husband, your wife, your parents, your children, nobody's perfect. But we aim to be disciplined. We aim to be responsible. But we know we will fall short. That is why understanding that God has a plan for us. God has a plan for me and my wife and my family. None of us are perfect, especially their dad is the most imperfect of them all. Yet, I praise God that we learn to accept and be patient with one another. Sometimes we lose it, but in the end, we repent. We repent. Forgive me for saying that. Forgive me for doing this. Because we would rather have faith. Rather than grumble, trust in God's purpose. Okay, did you get that? All right? You got that, right? Okay, stop grumbling against the president. Do something. Now, in a dem democracy, we can disagree. But when you disagree, I hope you disagree with an intelligent approach. If you don't agree with this, please give a good explanation, an alternative, not just blah, 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 blah. That's it. You posted something online which you cannot even explain, which you can't even back. Nakisabay ka lang sa haters. Oh my, what are you? You sound like, forgive me, an ignorant fool if you don't give an explanation and, and an alternative. And if you have not done anything for this nation, do something first so you have a right to speak. Are, are, we, are you listening? My, if you don't even pay taxes yet, why don't you help clean the road? Stop throwing litter all over. Put the litter in your pocket till you see a waste can. Huh? Plant a tree. Do you know it's a law that every citizen should plant a tree? How many have you planted? I planted 3,000. No, more than that. But somebody bought the land. Too bad. I didn't grumble. I'm just happily sharing to you the funny event. For me, that's so funny. Okay, Lord, you will take care of me, okay? Something else. Because if you put your emotion too much on one effort, this is my baby, this is my effort. But not everything is perfect. And then it disappears. All your dreams gone. Then you begin to hate God. Why did you make this happen? Wait. First of all, he's sovereign. You are not. You are a speck in the universe. Not even a dot. In the universe. Not even. You are no one. Especially without Christ. You are nothing. You are a cry in the lake of fire. That's who you are. We are nothing. But he is everything. That's why when he saved us. That's why he loved us first. Before we loved him. He is sovereign. So what do we do? Lord thy will be done in my if I see a roadblock, then you will open another way for me. And another roadblock, then perhaps another way. 
until I find your will in my life. Do not grumble. Have faith. Number two, God in his way and time often provides a solution to our concern. If we pray, yes, God gives a solution. He also uses those moments to teach us a lesson or remind us of his word. There was one time I had to pay something. On the ordinary, I should be desperate, but I was humming, worshiping, saying, Lord, I have a problem. I can only look to you. I can work hard. I'll do these things, but I look only to you. And God provided the answer. And you know what? Me and my wife talk. What is the lesson? Let us never forget. Never forget. After he blessed you, what is the lesson? Let us take heed for he desires to bless and teach us. Bless and teach. He blessed Israel, yet he taught them. Take heed of my commands. He taught them. Don't just want blessing without the lesson. Without the truth that Jesus saves. Without understanding that he is Christ is the center of our lives. No longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. Why is that? He gave everything for us. He died on the cross. He received the wrath of his father. He gave up all for us. What's the response? We give our all to him. That's the response. It's not one-sided. Why should I give everything to God? He gave all to you. And he has promised in scripture much more than what you'll ever have. In eternity. Not now, but in eternity. That's the only response. Number three. They camped at Elim. Twelve springs of water. Seven date palms. There was shelter from the sun. There was water. God brings his people to a place of rest. Our Lord Jesus said it himself that we can rest in him. We can find rest in him. When he said, come to me all who are weary, you're tired and heavy laden, you have burdens in your life, and I will give you rest. And those burdens are not just the burdens of, of what we're encountering here, but the burden of sin primarily. But then there are other burdens that we experience in life. Jesus said, come to me, I give you rest. Only Christ can forgive and remove the guilt of sin. Only God. Only through Christ. Because through Christ, Christ received the wrath of God. And the mercy, the grace of God is released through him. Only one person that received both. So I say, only through Christ. As God fulfilled his promise to Abraham to take care of this nation. So God promised through Christ that he will take care of our souls. Therefore, we should come to Christ. So we may have rest for our souls. We see the burdens of this life, but some of us never see the burden of the soul. Every sin we commit is a burden to the soul that only he can forgive. No, you don't need to confess to a man to be forgiven. You don't have to confess to a priest to be forgiven. The Bible said, if we confess our sins to him, he is faithful and just to forgive. But if you want to share your burden to somebody so that you may be prayed for, 
It means it's not the condition of forgiveness. It's the condition of a release from you. So I say to you, brothers and sisters, watch the soul, the burden of the soul. If we are blind to the soul, then we only see the human element of our world. But what is more important is the eternal soul. Where will it go after death? In Christ or in the lake of fire? In the final judgment, there will be a judgment. But let me share to you the good news. It's not how much good works you do. Good works, you're, because good works can never match all the sin we've committed. Because one sin, one sin is heavy enough to take us to the lake of fire, to suffering in hell. Just one sin. It's similar to any law of the land. If you commit murder, even though you have many good works, you still have to pay for that. We have to pay for it, but Christ took that guilt. The word is justified through him. Through his death on the cross and resurrection. To those who have faith in him. And when I say faith, it's not religion. It's faith, your heart in him. You believe him more than you believe yourself. If you have faith in him, then you are justified by faith. That's what the Bible says. The book of Romans says, that guilt we have, we are made not guilty because of what he did. And that is the good news. So if we come to him saying, Lord, I want to be justified by faith. I have many sins and I realize it's not my good works. Good works is the thing you do because you belong to Jesus. It's not the, it's not the way to earn entrance to heaven. Never. Otherwise his sacrifice was useless. He sacrificed because we cannot. But because we come to him, the good works flow out of us. That's why we do what we do. That's why we like praying for one another, helping one another. That's why we, we, we turn our attention because of the salvation he already gives us.